0: Hi, I'm Kristen, and you're listening to a public church podcast. We'd love to connect with you through our social media at a public church or through our website, publicchurch.com. Thanks for listening. So today is the series finale of our series titled. Be still with the subtitle, The Art of Letting Go. Now, if you've missed part of the series, maybe today's your first Sunday here, or you just missed a week, we're honored that you're here for the finale. And if you wanna go back and catch up, then you can do that either through our Public Church podcast or our YouTube channel and just catch up with the series. But today I'm really excited about where we're gonna end. But before we do, I wanna mention a special opportunity that we have this weekend. We have the privilege to host FCA's Coaches Date Night this Saturday night. The details are on the screen, and you're be thinking, why are we mentioning this? So coaches, if I could just talk to you guys for a minute. Everybody wants something from you, don't they? It's all about how you perform last. It's all about what can you do for me. Everybody wants something from you. We are hosting this, coaches, to let you know we don't want anything from you, and we want everything for you. So we are for your marriage. So come, have a night with your spouse. If you're dating somebody, we're for your future marriage. So come, have a date night on FCA. This is gonna be a phenomenal night. It's totally free. And if you wanna reserve your spot, just email katie at publicchurch.com. But I encourage you, like, let us love on you this Saturday night, coaches. Bring your spouse and just enjoy a night where we get to pour into you and we get to show that we are for you you. Now, as for our series finale, you may have noticed that I have a table. Hopefully, you're kind of excited about that or curious at least, maybe. Okay, a couple of you. Very curious. Thank you. That makes me feel good about myself. And so, we'll get there in just a minute. And today, I just love where we're ending the series because I get to talk about something I'm very passionate about. And in fact, this passion extends all the way back to my senior year of high school. Going into my senior year, Micah Ogle and I, we played football together, we led an FCA together, and we were like, we need a vision for our senior year, some kind of motto. So we talked, here was our vision for our senior year, no regrets. We wanted to walk across the graduation stage with no regrets. And there were really two angles to this. The first angle was that when I was tempted to compromise my values, And I was a Jesus follower then, I am now, so that means when I'm tempted to compromise Jesus' values, I knew that giving in would create a regret, and I didn't want any regrets. So this mantra kept us from some compromising situations. And honestly, we kind of talk about that angle a lot, so that's not what we're going to focus on today. We're going to focus on the second angle that I don't think we talk about nearly as much, and it's this, no regrets. We didn't want to be haunted by what-if questions. You know, what if I'd gone to every football workout? What if I'd taken the ACT one more time because I was one point away from a scholarship? What if I talked to the person in math class that nobody else talk to. I didn't want to be haunted by those questions. Therefore, I went to every single football workout. I took the ACT again to get my score where it needed to be. And in my classes, I tried to talk to people that no one else was talking to. And so when I walked across that graduation stage in May of 2005, I could look back and go, I have no regrets. Was I perfect? No. Would I redo something? Probably. But I have no regrets about this season of my life. And look, isn't that what we all want? Don't we all wanna look back on the season we're in now and go, hey, perfect, not a chance. Would I adjust some things, redo some things? Sure, but I have no regrets. Because the opposite is that we look back on October of 2019 and we are haunted by what if questions. So today, as we finish our series, we're gonna talk about a big idea that can lead us towards the path of no regrets. I want to be clear. This doesn't mean we're going to navigate life perfectly. I have regrets, but it does mean that we can minimize regrets if we begin to practice this big idea. We're going to find that in Psalm chapter 23. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, you can go ahead and turn there. It's also going to be on the screen. And and as you are, I just want to say this. For those of you who don't yet follow Jesus, whether you're in the room or watching I think that this big idea can make your life better, whether or not you follow Jesus. Because we all want to look back on our current season and say, I have no regrets. And so we're gonna find the path to that in Psalm 23. And just like we've done the previous two weeks, we're actually gonna read this aloud and together because Psalm 23 is a treasure. But we don't find the treasure of Psalm 23 just by getting in it. We find the treasure by getting Psalm 23 in us. So maybe if you've been here and you're like, okay, I'm trying to memorize this, let that be a goal beyond the series, just to memorize this, to get this psalm in us. And we want to help, so we're going to read it aloud and together. Ready? Go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, as we dive in the last part of this song, There's two things that we need to understand about this psalm. First, it was written by King David, the greatest king in all of Israel's history. And David's writing this as he reaches back into his past experience as a shepherd. The second thing we need to know is that when Jesus showed up, he said, I am the good shepherd. And that means that this psalm is all about Jesus. So with those two things in mind, let's pick up in the very first line of verse five. And it says, you prepare a table before me. Come on, somebody. Anybody not had breakfast yet today? I mean, like I read this and look, if you're not excited, either you ate breakfast or maybe you're not reading from the right translation. Another translation says, you prepared a feast. Come on, I like that. When I think about showing up at the 12 o'clock, I think about brunch We're late breakfast just because I want breakfast all day, every day, anytime. So I think about breakfast, and I think about a feast, a southern breakfast like this. Come on. How many of you, raise your hand if you have heard of Cameron's. Look at this biscuit. Raise your hand if you've heard of Cameron's. All right, keep your hand up if you've been to Cameron's. Look, if your hand is down, you have homework. Go to Cameron's. Like, that. look at this biscuit. Unbelievable. All right, so here's what I need. I need a volunteer to come up and sample this biscuit to let all of us know that it's good. So I'm cutting it. Who's coming up here? Come on up. Two of you. I got enough for both of you. We're good. All right. Now, you got to tell us how good it is. I promise I washed my hands yesterday. There you go. Before then. All right. All right now, face them. How, take a big bite and let us know. <laughs> is it good come on all right let's give it up good job guys (laughs) you're like i I want the rest later all right see me afterwards this is good stuff so so here's what this psalm is saying you prepare a table before me it's saying jesus is our host and he has prepared a feast so watch our role take a seat and eat i borrowed this from liam don't tell him now, I'm just going to... Do you guys mind if I take about 10 minutes and eat this? Just kind of entertain yourselves? All right. Just kidding. But before we... I eat this. You're not going to eat it. But before I eat this, I just want to keep going. The psalm is really good, so, so maybe it gets better. So it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Hold on. No, no, nobody told me that my enemies are around. Look, I just walked through the valley of the shadow of death. I thought I was done with adversity. Like, I'm not so hungry anymore. What's changed? The food is still there. Front row, it still smells good, right? You guys in the front, still smells good? What's changed is my perspective. Suddenly, I realize that the conditions aren't perfect, that my enemies are around me, that adversity is surrounding me, and I no longer want to take a seat and eat. Some of us are missing out on all God has prepared for us because we're waiting on perfect conditions that will never come. We're waiting on the perfect conditions, or maybe you would say the better conditions. You may think of it like this: Okay, Cameron, that looks good. The biscuits huge. The hash browns look delicious. But I really like Cracker Barrel. If you had set Cracker Barrel in front of me, that Mama's pancake, anybody? Some Mama's pancake with some sausage and eggs, like like blueberries, pecan. Like if you set that in front of me, then I will take a seat and eat. But then we set Cracker Barrel in front of you, and you said, "Ah, this is the twelve o'clock gathering. I'm really more of a lunch person." I mean, those pancakes look great, but really rather have lunch. We get out of here about 1.05, and so I'm just going to head on over to Aubrey's. I mean, come on. If Jesus is the host, he's footing the bill, so I can have Aubrey's a little bit nicer, right? So I'm going to go to Aubrey's. And then we you you put Aubrey's in front of me, and then I will take a seat and eat. And then Aubrey's is in front of us, and we go, okay, I'll eat it. She's here? He's here? They're my enemies. I'm not going to eat this and my enemies are here? Jesus, I'm... I, here's the deal, Jesus, you get me a better job. You get me out of this job. I've been praying. So you get me out of this job and a better job and my dream job, something I'm gonna enjoy. Then I will take a seat and eat. We're missing out on all God has prepared for us because we're waiting on perfect conditions that will never come. And every single time that God prepares a feast and we push in the table, we accumulate regrets. And we can assure ourselves that we will look back on the season, October 2019, and we'll be haunted by what if questions. So often, we say, Jesus, Aubrey's is really nice, but Aubrey's is a good place to go on a date, you know, Jesus, and I'm just like single. And so Jesus, here's the deal. I will engage if you help me get engaged, Jesus. (laughs) Sorry, dad joke. I couldn't resist. I'm gonna engage if you know you, you bring me somebody that I can eat with, that I can enjoy this with, but until then, Jesus, no, or Jesus, if you will fix my marriage, then I'll take a seat and eat. Or maybe you're sitting there going, Jesus, if you'll fix my parents' marriage, I'll take a seat and eat. Jesus, if you will bring the healing I've been praying for, then I will engage, and we just keep pushing in the chair. We keep accumulating regret over and over. And Jesus says, look, I have prepared a table. He says, look, you don't need the perfect conditions because our God is perfect and he is with us. The subtitle of the series is The Art of Letting Go. A question to start our journey today. Will we let go of the need for perfect conditions? Or maybe for you, will we let go of the need for better conditions? We don't need the perfect conditions because our God is perfect, and he is with us. And he has prepared a feast for us in the presence of our enemies, and he invites us, take a seat and eat. David wrote this, the greatest king in Israel's history. And you may say, oh, of course the king can say, ah, take a seat and eat. Look, he had enemies. David knew what it meant to have enemies. In fact, before he was king, his father-in-law, who also happened to be the current king, tried to hunt him down and kill him. You think your family's got drama? He was trying to kill him. God provided for David, and he survived that. But just because he overcame that adversity, there was adversity for his whole life. Read a story. One of his enemies was one of his very sons. For David's whole life, he was surrounded by enemies, surrounded by adversity. But here's what he knew If God has prepared a feast, it doesn't matter who's around me, I trust the host, and I'm going to take a seat and eat. And then he tells us why. He says, You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Now, if you're unfamiliar with this ancient practice, it may sound kind of odd or weird, like what's going on? Well, in ancient times, when you anointed someone, that means that you were saying they have been chosen for a special work. So you literally put oil on their heads. Today, when we our, our, in hosting, we mentioned that our prayer team is going to be praying Tuesday night. Our prayer team has actually anointed different spaces on our campus, they, they've taken time to anoint people, and you're like, why are they doing that? Well, there's no magic in the oil, but when we get the oil out, it ups our focus, and here's our prayer, Jesus, as the oil covers this space, as it covers this person, would your spirit cover and empower us for the special work that you have for us? So you may have heard people say like, hey, she's anointed, he's anointed. Here's a good biblical definition of that. It means that God has chosen and empowered them for a special work, But here's the visual that we can't miss. It's really hard to anoint someone who's moving. Like, let me anoint you. Oh, I got to chase you down. Like, it's really difficult to anoint somebody who's on the move. And that comes back to the series title, Be Still. Do you notice the context? Saying, hey, God has prepared a table for me, and he anoints my head with oil. Both of those things require us to be still, to sit down because we won't be anointed until we choose to be still. Maybe this helps. We don't get the overflow if we are always on the go. And maybe that's why some of you walked in and you're struggling. You're living a non-committal life, where opportunities are in front of you, but you're going, ah, the next one could be better. Ah, that's not perfect. You keep shoving in the chair, and you're like, God's moving in all these other people's lives, and God's doing this stuff. And look, there are a lot of reasons. That you may not be experiencing that, but perhaps a reason to consider today is that you are refusing to engage because we don't get the overflow if we're always on the go. It requires us to take a seat and eat. The reality is we're all anointed for special work. And by all, I mean every single one of us who follows Jesus, we have been anointed for a special work. So you may ask, okay, what is my special work? One of our core values can help us begin to answer that question. The core value says we strategically engage wherever we are to point people to Jesus. For today's talk, we could say this. We take a seat and eat wherever we are to point people to Jesus. See, if we're going to talk about our special work, we've got to think about wherever we are. And that means this season, and it means our spheres of influence. Where are the places that we spend a lot of time? And when we step into our spheres of influence, often our special work begins with listening. Because everybody wants to talk, but not as many people want to listen. Everybody wants to share their story. Not as many people want to sit down and listen to someone else's story. For 12 years, I had the privilege of coaching football at Bradley Central High School. and this past year, I transitioned into a role as character coach. Saying that, I do want to just mention that my job performance as character coach should not be tied to the incredible amount of unsportsmanlike conduct penalties and um, personal fouls that we have accumulated over the course of this year. It's my first year, guys. We'll work on it. Um, We get those like a lot every game. In the fourth quarter, we had enough to get me fired. I'm just trying to get a year two, okay? I just want to have another chance and get year two. But anyway, the point is, when I show up to practice or to workouts or a game, I'm not just riding the coattails of a program that's successful and just trying to be around something that's winning. No, I have a special work that I've been anointed by the Holy Spirit to do, and that special work usually begins with listening. Two weeks ago, I was at practice, and I talked to coach after coach about situation after situation, things that they were going through on and off the field, and I just listened. I empathized. We kind of picked up where we'd left off. Hey, we talked about this last time. How's this going? And hey, remember Todd, I told you this, and we picked up those things, and I wasn't walking around practice going, all right, let me tell you what to do. All right, you're fixed. Now let me tell you what to do. You're fixed. Now let me tell you. No, I was just listening, empathizing, following up. And then, when the opportunity presents itself, I talk about Jesus. Why? Because we talk about people we love, don't we? So, if we love Jesus, we should talk about him. Talking about Jesus should be a normal part of the flow of our conversations. And to be honest, people expect us to talk about him if we claim that we love him. So, it's kind of awkward when we don't. And so, as a result of that, man, We've got coaches on our coaching staff that are growing closer to Jesus, that are growing in their relationships with Jesus. We've got coaches that don't follow Jesus yet, but they have taken and are taking tangible steps towards Jesus. And why is that happening? Because I'm anointed. Because the Holy Spirit has empowered me to do a special work on that team that often begins with listening and continues with talking to them about Jesus. And you're anointed too to go into your sphere of influence, and listen, and empathize, and talk about Jesus. The second layer of our special work that we need to consider is our gifting. If you're in elementary school, middle school, high school, or college, a lot of you guys are musically talented. A lot of you guys are athletically talented. So that means you're going to be spending time, part of your sphere of influence is going to be some type of choir, some type of instrumental ensemble, some type of athletic team. And so your special work, part of it, in that place could be pursuing excellence while not letting your gift become your identity. Said, hey, I'm going to pursue excellence. I'm going to be good at music. I'm going to be good at sports, but I'm not going to let that consume me. Because reality is... A whole lot of the people that are good, it's their identity. (laughs) So when you can step in and when you're good and you can step in and be like, yeah, my performance shows that I'm good, but guess what? It's not my identity. Somebody's eventually going to ask. They're going to say, hey, you're really good at this, but, but you don't live and die by it like the rest of us do. Like, what's the deal? And you can say, that's because my primary identity is that I am a loved son or daughter of my father in heaven. And Jesus, he loves me the same, no matter how I performed yesterday. And he loves you the same too. What kind of an impact you could have if you were modeling that and having those kind of conversations? You go, man, that's really hard to have that conversation. You're anointed. The Holy Spirit has put you there and will empower you to live that out and say those things. Some of you guys, you're contractors, you're electricians your mechanics, you may be like my dad who started out as a lineman at Cleveland Utilities. And what you do is every single day, tomorrow, you have the opportunity to enter people's homes or to enter workshops and you have a choice. Will I cut corners or will I do this the right way? And look, if you cut corners, you will save time and money. (laughs) And your crew will want you to cut corners and no one will know if you cut corners besides you and your crew. And so when you don't, eventually people are going to ask questions. And you can say this, hey, I'm not just here working for the homeowner. I'm not just here working for the customer. I am here working for Jesus. I don't think we can fully wrap our minds around the impact that you guys could have of day after day, month after month, year after year, doing the right thing for Jesus. And you're like, that's hard to do the right thing. And then it's hard to actually tell them why I'm doing the right thing It's because you are anointed to go into that workshop. You are anointed to walk into that home. Jesus, his Holy Spirit has empowered you and selected you and put you there for a special work. Do the right thing for Jesus every day and watch God do things that you can't even imagine in the people around you. Because it doesn't just say he anoints our head with oil. It says my cup overflows. And come on, for those of us who follow Jesus, don't we want that? Don't we want the overflow from the limitless power of the Holy Spirit using us in ways that we can't take credit for and we can't even explain? And to bring it full circle, if we think about wherever we are, we're here. It's not a philosophical statement. That's just true. You're here right now at the 12 (laughs) o'clock. And the reality is, some of you may feel like you're lacking in what's happening in your life through public church. You show up and you're like, ah, you know, this week, the talk, he was just off, and man, the song they just weren't the songs that I wanted to happen, and you know, somebody just, you know, they weren't as nice as they usually are, and the coffee is a little bit colder, and I, you know, I just like, you know, public church is good, but I just feel like I'm lacking. Perhaps what you're lacking is engagement. If you're just coming in and getting out as quick as you can, and you haven't decided to take a seat and eat, then yes, you will be lacking. So what would it look like for you to show up wherever you are here and to take a seat and eat by getting in a community group that meets in homes throughout the week? By saying, I'm going to engage. I'm not just going to skirt through this season on the fringes. I'm going to engage and I'm going to serve on a public team. And look, if you're sitting here going, yes, that's it, That's what I need. I can't get the overflow. If I'm always on the go, just on the move and not engaging, then right now, take out your phone and email katie at publicchurch.com. Make the subject line, take a seat and eat and just put like community group or serve. She will figure it out. But this is an invitation for all of us, wherever we are, to take a seat and eat. And he goes on with more reasons we should. In the beginning of verse six, he says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Saying that, hey, in the presence of our enemies, when adversity is surrounding us in the valley of the shadow of death, his goodness and mercy pursues me. In other words, we follow Jesus and his goodness and mercy follow us. That we follow Jesus and his goodness and mercy follow us. And when I think about his goodness and mercy, I have to think about the cross. The fact that Jesus pursued us by leaving heaven and coming to earth and he didn't just show up. He did what we couldn't do. He loved the unlovable. He restored the irreparable. He noticed the overlooked and he did it all in the presence of his enemies. But don't miss this huge deal. Jesus didn't just take a seat and eat in the presence of his enemies. He died for his enemies. And that's us. Every single one of us have said, God, your way, no, I want my way. And that's called sin. And if we're honest, we do it a whole lot. And that puts us at enmity with Jesus that makes us enemies of him. And yet he died for us. And because of that, he can say, no matter what's going on around you, here's what's coming behind you. Goodness, the opportunity to have a relationship with God that we desperately need, but in no way deserve. And mercy, a chance to be forgiven of our sins through the cross. We follow Jesus and his goodness and mercy follow us. And then, The last line of this psalm, I think it really crescendos to this point. The last line says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As long as we're here on earth, we're gonna have enemies. Those enemies can't chase us into heaven. As long as we're here on earth, we're gonna be surrounded by adversity. That adversity can't gain entry into heaven. So there's gonna be a day where we will take a seat and eat at an adversity-free feast, an enemy-free feast in the presence of Jesus. But I don't want to get to that feast and go, now what I do, I've never eaten before. No, I want my habit in my life to be okay. I take a seat and eat. And in this season, I take a seat and eat. And in this season, I take a seat and eat. So that when I get to that adversity free feast, I'm a professional eater. Like I've upgraded my bib. I don't have this small thing. I got a bigger thing. And I'm sitting here going, come on. I've been doing this my whole life. I know what to do. Let's go. Because I've taken a seat and I've eaten over and over again. The alternative is that we push in the chair and look back on October, 2019, and are haunted by what if, and are filled with regrets. In June of 2009, stood on the beach in Panama City, Florida, and I looked across the Gulf of Mexico, and I told God, I wanna be there! My geography was awful, because by there I meant Ghana, Africa, but if you know anything about the Gulf of Mexico, I was actually pointing at South America, If you miss that, ask a friend, and they'll show you Google Maps. Okay, you can understand it later. But my point was, I wanted to be in Ghana. I went to Lee University. One of the perks of Lee is that I got to do part of my student teaching overseas in Ghana. And when I left that country in March of that year, I had this feeling I'm going to be back. And by June of that year, I was ready to be back. But God had prepared a feast for me. And he was inviting me to take a seat and eat. Here was the feast. It was a job that I'd had since January. I didn't even have to interview for. Who gets jobs like that? I had an opportunity to teach at Bradley. Like in January, they were like, hey, do you want to work in August? Like, yeah, all right, see you in August. I'm like, that that doesn't even happen. I had this job set up. I had an opportunity to continue coaching. I'd been coaching football in high school to keep coaching and lean into that influence, that, that anointing that God had blessed me with in that sphere of influence. But I didn't want any of it. What I wanted to do was shove in the chair, walk away, and move to Africa. So I told God, I don't want it. I want to be there. I don't really think he said anything. I feel like he just kind of went, maybe this. (laughs) So I had a choice to make. And I decided to take a seat and eat over and over. So I came back from the beach, and I just... I immersed myself in the student ministry at my local church, North Cleveland Baptist, at the time. I got to serve and use my gifts. I got to speak some. The best part, though, of being part of that student ministry was there was a beautiful young lady who also served in that student ministry that I got to know even better. That's my wife, by the way, in case you're wondering. That's Whitney. Some of you are like a little worried, like, that's kind of weird. No, I married her, okay? I got to know her better. I immersed myself in teaching and coaching. And Man, I am still experiencing the overflow today of relationships that have been building over the course of the past 12 or 13 years. As I began to take a seat and eat, an opportunity came to Whitney and I to be part of this church campus. It's going to start. Hopefully one day it'd be it's kind of autonomous church. So, all right, Jesus, I trust you. If this is the feast you prepared for me, I'm not going to wait for perfect. I'm just going to take a seat and eat and Here we are, it's called public church. Think about all the life change, all the things Jesus has done through this church that we've gotten to be a part of. So when I do let my mind drift and reflect and think about the what if, what if, what if? What if I'd said, nah, I'm I'm going to Africa. Forget it, God, I don't want what you've prepared for me. I missed out on Whitney, Liam, Oliver. You know the question that actually haunts me more? What if I had stayed in Cleveland and pushed in the chair and said, No, I don't want this, God. I'm just going to pout because it's not what I want. It's not perfect. So I'm just going to wait on something better. The reality is, I probably still would have missed out on Whitney because I wouldn't have become the man that she needed. And I would have missed out on life change in myself and in so many others. People that, 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 don't, that used to not follow Jesus, but they now follow Jesus. People I've literally seen them be chained by sin. I've seen Jesus break those chains. That's the overflow of the anointing. I've gotten to be a part of that because I said, man, I am going to take a seat and eat. And so as I look back on those seasons... I've got no regrets. They do it perfectly, no, far from it. Would I adjust some things, would I refine? Oh yeah, but I'm not haunted by what if questions. I, I have no regrets because I accepted Jesus's offer to engage, to take a seat and eat. And Look, I don't want you to live with regret. I, I don't want you to be haunted by what if questions. But forget about what I want. Jesus who died for you, the God who created you, does not want you to be haunted with what-if questions. He does not want you to look back on October of 2019 and be filled with regret. So Jesus says, will you take a seat and eat? So the question we have to wrestle with is how? How will I take a seat and eat? Because you have prepared a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is the offer. How will I take a seat and eat? Because the alternative, we all know it, is regret. So wrestle with that question. And for some of you guys who don't yet follow Jesus, I'm honestly not sure how you could look at the last part of the Psalm and not be at least mildly interested in following Jesus. I, I'm, I'm, I don't really understand how you could hear this and not want to follow him. That there's gonna be adversity, there's gonna be struggle, but he prepares a table before us in the midst of that. That, that we follow Jesus and his goodness and mercy follow us. So. If you want to follow Jesus, as soon as they sing the first note, please go back to our prayer team and talk to them. That could be you deciding to take a seat and eat. And for some of you, as you wrestle with the question, how, do I, how will I take a seat and eat? As you wrestle with that, if you're like, I just don't know, go back to the prayer team. Look, they woke up this morning. They got coffee'd up. They got fired up. They showed up at the 12, hoping that someone would walk back there so they could pray for them. Make their day. Walk back there and give them the honor and privilege of praying for you. And for all of us, let's wrestle. How will I take a seat and eat? The alternative is to be haunted by what if questions and none of us want that. So let's engage. Jesus, I thank you so much for this offer to take a seat and eat. I pray that you would be with us. I pray that you would... Right now, give us clarity. Clarity to know what it looks like for us to take a seat and eat wherever we are in this season. And I pray that not only would we have clarity, but as we leave this space, that we'd have courage to act on what we know we need to do. And that as we do that, we would move down the path of minimizing regrets, the path of no regrets. And we would just be blown away by your overflow.